Let me lead us in prayer. We ask a Heavenly Father that now as we come to your word, that by your spirit you would indeed speak to us, that we would know you better and that we would particularly understand what it means to take refuge in you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. I appreciate the message I'm delivering today is quite shocking for a lot of people, but I need everybody to be shocked. New South Wales is facing the biggest challenge we have faced since the pandemic started, and I don't say that lightly. That's how our Premier, Gladys Berejiklian, addressed us yesterday at her press conference. We are in what she calls the scariest period since the pandemic started. And I've got to say, I think this time I'm feeling it more than I did last time. I don't know what it is. It just seems extra unsettling. Uh, last year, I mean, we feared that hundreds of thousands of Australians could get COVID and many of them die. But we suppressed it, we controlled it, and we almost eliminated it from our state. And then the miracle vaccines were developed and produced and it felt like life was returning to normal almost. But now we're in lockdown again. And it's a far more virulent strain. And we're facing the biggest challenge yet. And for me, and I think to a number of others I've spoken to as well, it just seems harder this time than last time. I wonder if you feel it that way. Is it causing you anxiety? Is it causing you fear? Are you afraid? Well, maybe you're fine and you think this whole thing is just a nuisance or something more sinister. But whether you feel it or not, you can be sure that others around you are feeling afraid. So how do we deal with that? How do we deal with our anxiety and our fear? Well, these days we're encouraged to talk about it, to share our feelings, to tell a friend or to call a mental health hotline. And that's a great thing to do. You should certainly speak to others if you're feeling this way. But when you're feeling this way, it's often also a good time to listen. And particularly that's the case when it comes to God's word, the Bible. When we're feeling afraid, we should come to God's word and we should listen to him speak to us by his Holy Spirit in our moment or in our season of fear. When you're afraid, come to God's word. I'd actually planned to do a one-off sermon on something completely different tonight. Uh, we were going to look at church and worship and liturgy and a whole bunch of other things, which I'm still planning to do that talk. I've got lots buzzing around in my head. I'd love to share that with you and get your thoughts on it. But as I gathered on Tuesday morning uh, with uh, John and Graham at uh, 7.30 in the morning on, on Zoom for our, our daily morning prayer time, which you're all welcome to come to, zoom.jamboreanglican.com, any morning. As we were doing that, we got to Psalm 91, and I thought, you know, I think we need to hear this passage as a church. And so here we are. And apart from being such an encouraging and wonderful psalm in so many ways, it's actually the only psalm that specifically deals with plague and pestilence. It addresses people going through a pandemic, just like us. 
Now, they were living in a very different situation 3,000-odd years ago. They were in a very different place with very different medical and scientific knowledge and techniques. But they shared our fear, or we share their fear. It's a fear of a deadly disease or pestilence, as some translations put it. And so in their fear, what was it that the Lord said to them? What did he give to them to to give them refuge and safety and protection? Well, the Lord gave them Psalm 91. What I'm going to do now is I'm going to read it right through. There are 16 verses. And I want you to listen to this word of God that was spoken first to his people around about a thousand years before Jesus walked on the earth. So what does that make it? 1,000 plus about two, about 3,000 years ago. Was spoken then, and today God, by his Spirit, speaks to us. Let me read it. Those who live in the shelter of the Most High will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. This I declare about the Lord. He alone is my refuge, my place of safety. He is my God, and I trust him. For he will rescue you from every trap and protect you from deadly disease. He will cover you with his feathers. He will shelter you with his wings. His faithful promises are your armour and protection. Do not be afraid of the terrors of the night nor the arrow that flies to the day. Do not dread the disease that stalks in the darkness nor the disaster that strikes at midday. Though a thousand fall at your side, though ten thousand are dying around you, these evils will not touch you. Just open your eyes and see how the wicked are punished. If you make the Lord your refuge, if you make the Most High your shelter, no evil will conquer you. No plague will come near your home. For he will order his angels to protect you wherever you go. They will hold you up with their hands so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. You'll trample upon lions and cobras. You'll crush fierce lions and serpents under your feet. The Lord says, I will rescue those who love me. I will protect those who trust in my name. When they call on me, I will answer. I will be with them in their trouble. I will rescue and honour them. I will reward them with a long life and give them my salvation. It's a beautiful psalm, isn't it? It's a wonderful message from God who created us and loves us and protects us and who gives us his salvation. It's a, it's a wonderfully comforting word in our time of distress as we face trials and tribulations and pestilence and fear. The Lord will protect us. He will rescue us. What we have here is a powerful word of hope. And this word from God is totally true and totally correct for us today, we who read his wonderful word. Right? Well, yes, of course. But if we're honest, we might want to just ask why it is that the words of this psalm are not experienced universally by every single follower of Jesus. 
why everyone who follows God doesn't have life just like this. Because isn't it true that some of the people who have died around the world of COVID-19 were followers of Jesus? So how does this work? Didn't God tell them in in verse 6 not to dread the disease that stalks in darkness nor the disaster that strikes at midday? And didn't he say in verse 10, no plague will come near your home? And and as they have died prematurely, how could God say here in the last verse, he will reward them with a long life? What's going on with this psalm? How does it work? Because if you didn't know better, you'd be tempted to treat this psalm like it was a bit of a a feel-good word of optimism. Sort of like when you're about to do something a bit scary or risky and a friend tells you, don't worry, you'll be fine. Hardly anyone dies from skydiving. And you look at the statistics and you think, yeah, that's true. It's more dangerous to drive down Mount Oosley. Good. But if you went skydiving and the parachute failed and you survived with serious injuries, what would you say to your mate who said, You'll be fine. You'd realise that those words of encouragement were just positive thoughts with a whole lot of normally useful statistics about risk. But if you put your full trust in him and he said, you will be fine, and there you are, paralysed from the incident, you'd feel let down, wouldn't you? So what do we do with Psalm 91? which seems to tell Christians all around the world that in 2021, no plague will come near your home. What do we do with that? Is God not to be trusted when he basically says, don't worry, you'll be fine? Or maybe it's to do not with God, but it's to do with us. See, maybe, we might think, God keeps his part of the bargain if we keep ours. And so if we've got enough faith and we've avoided enough sin, then he'll look after us. Now, is that what's happening here? Are people dying who are followers of Jesus from COVID-19 because they don't have enough faith? Is it because people don't have enough faith? Did those Christians who died from COVID-19 have a weak or worthless faith? Is that why God hasn't given them refuge and protection? Did they just not try hard enough to be Christians? Is that why those Christians got corona? Well, not according to Jesus. Jesus has made it very clear that when disasters strike, the injuries don't come because of disobedience or because of lack of faith. It's not just pagans who get COVID. Christians get COVID and cancer and car crashes. Here's what Jesus had to say about two tragedies, one from human evil and one from a so-called natural disaster. It's in Luke 13, 1 to 5. About this time, Jesus was informed that Pilate had murdered some people from Galilee as they were offering sacrifices at the temple. Do you think those Galileans were worse sinners than all the other people from Galilee? Jesus asked. Is that why they suffered? Not at all. And you will perish too unless you repent of your sins and turn to God. 
And what about the 18 people who died when the Tower of Siloam fell on them? Were they the worst sinners in Jerusalem? No. And I tell you again that unless you repent, you will perish too. If we want to understand Psalm 91, we've got to understand Luke 13. Because clearly in Jesus' time, there was no connection between sin and suffering. In Jesus' time, sin didn't lead to suffering. Not in that way. The Galileans who were murdered by the ruler Pilate, they didn't suffer because they were worse sinners. And the 18 people killed by the collapse of the tower didn't suffer because they were worse sinners. It didn't work that way in Jesus' time. And it doesn't work today either. In fact, the only message that Jesus tells us to gain from disasters is the urgency to repent. When Jesus spoke of those disasters, he said, verse 5, unless you repent, you will perish too. What is God doing through COVID-19? He is warning the world to turn to Christ. He's warning everyone in your street. He's warning everyone in your school, everyone in your workplace, everyone in your life that that they need to find refuge in Jesus, that they need to turn to him and find eternal protection. That is the main message from God through the pandemic. The main message of the pandemic is repent. Turn back to God. Because COVID-19 will kill people who reject Jesus. And it will also kill people who know Jesus, people like us, who love Jesus as our Redeemer and our Saviour. And so if that's true, what use is Psalm 91 to us? Isn't it just like the poem on a greeting card? May you live long and prosper. May you succeed in all you do. May you have health and happiness all your life. Is that at all it is? Well, no. It couldn't be more different. And that's because it's a word from the creator and redeemer of the universe, directly to us. And we can know that what Psalm 91 tells us is true. But how? How can it be true when it says that all who trust in God will be rescued from the plague? Well, part of the answer lies in the timing. This was written to God's people who lived a thousand years before Jesus. It's in the Old Testament. And in the Old Testament, things were different then. Things were different in Old Testament times. See, back then, the kingdom of God was a place on a map. We've just spent half a year looking at one kings. And I kept talking about you know, the country up there and the country down there and, the, and all the tribes. And it was a place on a map. If you had a satellite or, or a, you know, and you could look down 3,000 years ago, you could say, I can see the kingdom of God. It's right there on the ground. And that kingdom of God had a, a physical king, whether it was David or whether it was Solomon or even a bloke like Rehoboam. And all of the favour and the reward of God was experienced as physical, material blessings like prosperity, and fertility and peace and at the same time the curse and discipline of God was experienced as physical material punishment like 
like famine, like war, like plague and pestilence. So that is why in the final chapter of 2 Samuel, there's a plague that ravages the kingdom of God under the kingship of David. Uh, David sinned by taking a census of God's people and God punished him and he punished all the people in his kingdom. And as a result, 2 Samuel 24, 15 says that the Lord sent a plague upon Israel that morning and it lasted for three days. A total of 70,000 people died throughout the nation from Dan in the north to Beersheba in the south. That is a serious plague with a lot of death. And in response, King David made a sacrifice to the Lord and the Lord stopped the plague. Verse 25 We read that David built an altar there to the Lord and sacrificed burnt offerings and peace offerings and the Lord answered his prayer for the land and the plague on Israel was stopped. And so is that what it's like today for the people in God's kingdom? No. It's completely different. Under King David, God sent a plague to punish the people of his kingdom. But under King Jesus... God no longer uses plagues to punish his people. God no longer punishes people by plague. The only thing that plagues do today, according to Jesus, what was it? They warn people to repent. Which means that clearly something's changed. Can you see that? Something has changed between the Old Testament and the New Testament. Something seriously big has changed. It's changed when Jesus died on the cross. And that is, the kingdom of God has become spiritual, not physical. Or or more technically, it's become eschatological. It's about the last times. That's what that word means. We no longer see the blessings and curses of God in the physical world like they did at the time of David. Which means, amongst other things, that the so-called prosperity gospel... What's that Netflix show that showed it? American Gospel, was it? Yeah. Uh, this shows us that the prosperity gospel is as out of date as burnt offerings and and bacon bans, basically. Our blessings, our comfort, our safety, our refuge is not physical. It is spiritual. Our blessings are, are in heaven, not on earth. And more specifically, the blessings are in Christ, as we're united with Christ. Ephesians 1, 3... All praise to God, the Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us, where? With every spiritual blessing, where? In the heavenly realms. Because we are united with Christ. Because we are in Christ, more literally. He has blessed us in the heavenly realms, in Christ. And all of that happened, Ephesians 1 verse 13, when we heard the truth, when we Gentiles heard the truth, the good news that saves you, and when you believed in Christ... Then he identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit whom he promised long ago. So this side of the cross, we receive every spiritual blessing in Christ. That's what Christians get. We're not blessed on earth because of obedience and we're not cursed on earth because of disobedience. Judgment for sin is held up till the last day. It's different. Can you see the difference? And blessings from God are not fully seen until that last day as well. This is such an important thing to get right. Because millions and millions of Christians get this so utterly wrong. 
And it's a harmful, terrible way to tell people about Jesus. What we know is that judgment and blessings will be seen on the final day. That's when it all is seen. So what does it help us? How does it help us as we think about Psalm 91 and plagues and pestilence? Well, it's quite possible. We don't know for sure. The Septuagint sort of senses it might. But it may have been written around about the time of David. And it may have actually had in mind the very plagues that I talked about there, that horrible three-day plague of Samuel 2 Samuel 24. And so if that's the case, the Lord could tell his Messiah and the people of his kingdom, that is David, they could tell them that if they trust in the Lord, they'll be protected and they'll be given refuge from plagues and pestilence and other troubles. That was true for them back then, wasn't it? But is it true for us today? Well, yes, the truth is the same today. But it looks a little different. So where do we today, as Christians, experience the blessings and the refuge of the Lord? Well, we heard it before. Where are all our blessings? In the heavenly realms. In Christ. We get the blessings of those promises because Jesus has received the blessings of those promises. We get everything that Christ has got because we're united with Christ. That's where our blessings are and that's why we can know that the promises are true. Everything that is promised in Psalm 91 is promised to us. We just need to know that we receive those promised blessings in Christ. It's a very important thing for us to understand. And we receive them in the heavenly realms as well. Which means that Christians will die of COVID and cancer and car accidents. And atheists will live long, healthy lives. But how does this give us hope? How can followers of Jesus be saved from fears and anxieties if we might die of COVID anyway? How is this psalm really different to just a kind of greeting card, a get well card, a hang in there card, it'll all be okay there kind of card? Well, the reason is this. All the promises are coming true. It's just a matter of when we see them. And that's why we need to be people who have heaven as our home. We need to have heaven as our home. Because when we know we have a certainty for eternity, we can face cancer or COVID or cardiac arrest without fear. And that is why Psalm 91 offers such beautiful, wonderful comfort and assurance to us. Because these promises that were made to the people of God's kingdom a millennium before Jesus was born are the same promises made to us today. And that's because Jesus died and he rose again. And so we can take full comfort and hope in Psalm 91 because of what David's greatest son, Jesus Christ, has done for us. But even though it's the case that Christ has received all these blessings for us, we can still read this psalm in a way that that shows us how to take advantage of all of those blessings in Christ. How do we receive safety? How do we receive refuge? 
We see that it's by trusting in Christ. We receive safety and blessings by trusting in Christ. Whether it's God's people in Jerusalem 3,000 years ago or God's people in Jamboree this year, right now, we still receive the blessings and protection of God by trusting in him. It's not by working to please God. It's not by doing good works or, or never sinning. It, it's by trusting in God and finding our refuge in him. And so with all of that in mind, I'm going to read the psalm again. Uh, that's the introduction. But the sermon's nearly over, almost. I want us now, with all of that in mind, to have a look again at Psalm 91, 1 to 16. I'll read a few verses and just make a brief comment along the way. Those who live in the shelter of the Most High will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. This I declare about the Lord. He alone is my refuge, my place of safety. He is my God and I trust him. Which means that when we feel vulnerable, when we feel troubled, when we feel unsafe, when we feel scared, we can find shelter, we can find refuge, we can find safety with Almighty God. Like a shelter in a storm, we can safely huddle, finding protection in him. And we can experience that when we trust him. And when we go to him with our troubles, rather than keeping them to ourselves or or seeking safety in places elsewhere that, that don't offer protection, we go to him. And we do that because he's reliable, verse 3. For he will rescue you from every trap and protect you from deadly disease. When we're threatened by deadly disease, he will rescue us because we've found refuge in Christ Jesus. We are safe in the arms of Jesus. No matter what happens to our physical, earthly bodies, we are safe under the wings of Jesus. And it's described just like a mother hen with her chickens, verse 4. It says, The Lord will cover you with his feathers. He will shelter you with his wings. His faithful promises are your armour and protection. It's just like what Jesus said as he was there overlooking Jerusalem, looking at the people of Jerusalem in Matthew 23. He said, how often I have wanted to gather your children together as a hen protects her chicks beneath her wings. Surely he had Psalm 91 in front of him as he stood there and he looked at the people and he had compassion on them. We find protection and refuge because we're shielded by the wings of Jesus. And so we need also not fear the horror of war. Verse 5, do not be afraid of the terrors of the night, nor the arrow that flies in the day. And what about plague? What about pestilence? Verse 6, do not be afraid of the terrors of the night, nor the arrows that flies in the day. Do not dread the disease that stalks in darkness, nor the disaster that strikes at midday. Other versions say, do not dread the the pestilence that stalks in darkness, nor the plague that strikes at midday. But the same message is there. That even though we are in a world that is engulfed by a deadly virus, we need not fear. We live in a pandemic, 
but need not fear. Even if we end up with a ventilator, on a ventilator in ICU or in a coffin, we need have no fear for the future. When you've found refuge in Jesus, when you're under his wings, you've got comfort and peace for eternity. And that's why the psalm can speak of life with no death. Verse 7, Though a thousand fall at your side, ten thousand are dying around you, these evils will not touch you. A time is coming when there will be no more evil. Evil will not be seen. And this is what we see also in the next verse. Just open your eyes and see how the wicked are punished. See, when we experience fear and suffering, often at the hand of our enemies, we can know that it's got an expiry date. Judgment day is coming and evil will end. That is when evil will end. That is where evil will end. And because of that, we can have this promise, verse 9. If you make the Lord your refuge, if you make the Most High your shelter, no evil will conquer you, no plague will come near your home. If you found shelter under his wings, if you found refuge in his bunker, then you will avoid evil, even the plague. But where? Near your home. But where is your home? It's in the heavenly realms. It's in Christ. Shelter is our heavenly home. That's where the true refuge is. That's where the true shelter is. It's in the Lord. It's in Christ. And the reason for this is actually because of his angels. Verse 11 and 12. He will order his angels to protect you wherever you go. They will hold you up with their hands so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. We will get protection. We will be protected by the angels. God will protect us by them, even to the point where we won't stub our toes. Now, as a side note, you might see that these verses are quite familiar. Uh, It's because they're quoted in the New Testament. Someone says them to Jesus. Can anyone remember who that might be? It was the devil. The devil took Jesus up to the highest point of the temple and said, jump off. Because he will order his angels to protect you wherever they go. They'll hold you up with their hands. You won't even hurt your foot on a stone. See, the devil knows his Bible very, very well. And he can twist it better than anyone else can. And he tried to pull it off with Jesus. Good luck with that. But it did tempt Jesus, though he did not sin. And that's because the promise is so powerful and the promise is so true. The angels are there. The angels help us. The angels protect us, even to this extent. Verse 13, you'll trample upon lions and cobras, crush fierce lions and serpents under your feet. Such is the eternal safety that we find as we have refuge in Christ. And then we get to the last three verses. It's now the point where where the Lord himself is quoted. The Lord himself speaks. Have a look at it later, but you'll see that there's a change in the person who's speaking. Here are the promises of the Lord. The Lord promises these things. Verse 14. I will rescue those who love me. I will protect those who trust in my name. When they call on me, I will answer. I will be with them in trouble. I will rescue 
and honor them. Here is the essence of the promise in our fear and anxiety. It's the core of the promise that we face as we have uncertainty of the pandemic. It's the heart of the promise that will be rescued, that will be protected, that that there'll be honour. And it ends with where our focus must be. Verse 16. I will reward them with a long life and give them salvation. See, ultimately we find refuge in Christ, in heaven, where we receive our reward and our salvation. We find refuge in Christ, in heaven, our reward. And that is why we need not fear. I first realised the relevance of Psalm 91 to the COVID-19 pandemic when I heard Keith and Kristen Getty speak of it uh, in their family live streams. Uh, Last year they uh, would have a live stream in their home on a Wednesday night, US time, around the piano with their kids, just them and their iPhone and their grand piano. And as the world was locked down, they led us to sing songs about our great God, our great God who brings refuge and protection even though pestilence and plague draws near. And they, they led us to a, a particular song that they had written with some others. It's a modern hymn based on this very psalm, Psalm 91. It beautifully captures the heart of the psalm as it's put to music for our encouragement. And it's called My Dwelling Place. And I'm going to sing it to us now. Have a listen to it. <laughs> 